Good evening and welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Backstage Pass. I'm your host, Vince Edwards. You know me from Sound Image Productions. I also have a couple closed Facebook groups, one called Death by Loadout, another one called The Backstage Pass. Come over and see us sometime. You might have some fun. I'm sitting here kicking it with my good, good friend, Kyle Thomas. How you doing, brother? Not too bad, big dog. How about yourself? Busy week. We're, we're, you know, we're working. We've been doing some stuff. We had this thing we had to join yesterday to uh, kind of uh, get the plight of the, the working man out there. Uh, oh, we sure did. Yeah, yeah. I talked about it, man. I know you got involved with that, and it turned out real good. Talk to me. Uh, yeah, uh, so we hopped on the Restart Act bandwagon. I tried to show our support and aid any way we can through Sound Image's help with the lighting fixtures and everything else. So a crew of us, uh, Alan and Ryan Anderson, we, uh, we ended up going out to Palace of Fine Arts and illuminating everything in red. Is that Alan Pettibone? Yes, sir. Our lighting guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, he's here. He's so in bad. the house right now putting light on us. Thank you, Alan. It would be very dark without you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it turned out great. The photographs you guys captured were amazing. That's a really great building, too. I was so happy to contribute, you know, especially for something that we've been struggling with for quite some time with our industry. So uh, to shine any light on it and and to contribute uh, just meant a lot. It was great to see, you know, Local 16 and all the other vendors kind of helping and come together just like a normal gig would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot of guys were happy to be uh, berated. I actually heard that it was the story that um, somebody was giving uh, one of the locals uh, a hard time, and they were pleased <laughs> they, they hadn't been given a hard time for... Yeah, right? I went through security one time, and the yeah. guy's like, oh, no, you're fine. I'm like, no, let me do this. I haven't done it in a while. Let me show you, let me sh- let I me got show a you thing. my past. It's official. It makes me so I should be here. Can you please check it for me? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. hilarious. No, that's good. It's, uh, it's what we do, man. You know, we miss it. So I'm glad we got to go out there and kind of bring a little bit of a light to the subject that we're... We were the first ones to go down. We've been kind of in the background. It's almost like you guys forgot about us. And uh, we may be one of the last entities, industries, to go back to work. And um, we wanted to point out to the world that we were still on the planet and that we had a bunch of toys and we were really looking forward to using them as soon as possible. Yeah, and getting to get more of a community to write the Congress, you know. Mm-hmm get a hold of the people we need to to make sure that these state allocated funds are going to the right places. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that's been a little tricky as of late. I guess they're working on that from what I heard uh, this morning on the news. But, you know, uh, apparently they have more money in the bank than we do because they're shaking a lot their time about it. Um, but, yeah, it was the right thing to do, and it turned out really good. I hear we also put some lights in uh, um, the Blue Note up in Napa. Mm, yeah, it looked incredible. I saw some of the pictures. Those boys did really good. Yeah, it turned out really great. And uh, it was a worthy cause, and we were happy to be a part of it. Oh, it was nice driving around for a bit, too, seeing the other buildings that were lit up, like Civic Center. It looked incredible. Yeah, I think that was the boys over at Felix. Um, yeah, I, you went by. They did a good job. Oh, yeah, I, I gave the boys a honk. So. Uh, oh, I'm sure they love that. You know, now I'll put the, the name to the to the honk. That was me. Oh, if okay. you guys Anthony, got a little aggravated, Anthony, I just call, wanted to make some him. noise. He, it was him doing that. It wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't approve it. I, he just he got he gets rambunctious. Now he just wanted to send him some love. I'm sure. Oh, it looked so good, and it was just so nice driving around, having a little bit of time in between when you know we we're leaving the lights on for the helicopter shoot and everything. Right. Um, to just see everybody come together and how many buildings actually there were in San Francisco that contributed to it was just incredible. Oh, there's a huge uh, active creative community in San Francisco. It's a union town. It's. Uh, you know, we got a lot of different lighting uh, vendors that could provide, so we were able to hit a lot of uh, buildings. Um, it couldn't have it went better. The only thing I actually haven't seen, and I, I'm kind of interested to see, is the what the helicopter shoot turned out to be. Yeah, we'll because see. That, I bet you that would look pretty cool. I mean, just from the pictures alone, I can imagine, you know, what at, at least the Palace of Fine Arts, uh, you know, just with how stoic the building is in general yeah. and the layout, it must be incredible. So yeah, I, can't I wait can only to see imagine. It. It's already a great building, and when it's lit up pretty, it can be fantastic. Yeah. And you guys really did well. I mean, I was really, I actually, 
don't have that kind of lighting sensibility, so I didn't, <coughs> knowing what it looks like in my mind's eye, I didn't know what you guys were going to do with it, and when I saw what you guys did, it was fantastic. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, 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 you guys uh, really went above and beyond, and you should be proud of yourselves. Good stuff, good stuff. As you know, uh, we say it every week, but we, we try to bring interesting, experienced, uh, cool people in here to talk about their history and things they've done in the business. Um, when we dig into the roster, we have a lot of friends, and when we dig into the roster, it doesn't get much deeper than this. I talk about long history in the game, you know, it's almost 40 years. Uh, it's been in every, from loading trucks to doing the biggest rock shows to running big companies. Uh, we got a gem of a, a guest this evening. He happens to be the uh, general manager for Sound Image Productions. My boss, he's my boss. And he's also my brother. And uh, I wanna welcome him to the show. I'm so glad you're here today. It's my brother, George Edwards. How are you doing, brother? You know, I'm doing great, brother. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. Again, we, we felt like we had some unfinished business with you. We didn't have enough time to talk last time, and so we wanted to get back in here. Now, a lot of the things you know that we would talk about, we, would, we talked about this before the show, that we'd like to talk about is probably we can't talk about because it would be naughty, and they would... In, we would need a rating for the show, and there'd be like parental advisories, and <laughs> <laughs> kind of like maybe, on those record covers. Maybe say, you know, just be like an a Vincent advisory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be lawsuits yeah. based it, on some of the behavior way yeah. back. I'm not sure. We'd have cities boycotting us. Yeah, I'm not sure. All the statute of limitations <laughs> has run out, so we're gonna play it safe tonight. And we usually don't have. It's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Uh, I think you're referring to family time and things that we're, we're usually running and gunning um, that you've uh, had more than ever. Yeah, that's true. I've never had this kind of uh, Not no wife, deadline time. Now that your wife got to meet you, does she still like you? A <laughs> <laughs> Good question. You'd have to ask her. <laughs> she's a lovely woman, and I know for a fact uh, and personally that she's, she's in, madly in love with you. Uh, let's talk about how you got into the business. Well, do, um, let's not get in the weeds now. We know it goes deep. It goes real deep, but it comes down to really one thing. Mom. Mom and music. Yeah. Two things. Um, our household, uh, for as long as I can remember, um, was music. Um, that's all that ever happened at our house was music and mom wasn't into the, into the pop stuff in the 60s she was into Burt Bacharach Johnny Mathis Paul Williams singer songwriters yeah Deep she, shit. she went Barbara Streisand yeah. uh, Frank Sinatra we didn't grow up listening to crap no we grew up and <laughs> you know and and um, mom would cook dinner singing into a wooden spoon and that shit actually happened. That's uh, you know, hard and, to imagine, but it actually happened. That's and correct. as mechanically inclined as dad was, he didn't have an electronic bone in his body. Yeah, I, and, yeah. Um, couldn't dance. Let's put it that way. You know, we all had hi-fis in our, in our rooms and, you know, obviously gravitated towards bands when we were kids, yeah. you know? For well, us to start off as in the punk rock era in Southern California. Yeah, we were kind of, uh, it's like somebody being born in the time span, so they could have been a, a teenager during, uh, you know, 68. We, that was for us, it was in 82, and the punk rock movement, 81, 82 coming up. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a lucky spot because we were kind of part of a weird wave of new thing that was happening. Parents didn't understand. No. Authorities definitely didn't understand. No. Pretty much nobody understood except for the people that were doing it. No, they didn't understand us at all. Um, but I certainly know that we understood each other. And um, we were a little pissed off, if you remember. We were a little pissed off, but yeah. together we weren't pissed off. Together we were, we were like a force and yeah. we made things happen. And. That's right. um, one of the things, you know, from we'd go from practicing in our, we called it the lanai the, the, the at our house, or the patio, to playing in a boxing gym or playing in a at an armory or mm -hmm. to whatever Legion and, Hall. Or, or yeah, Grand we Hall would just or, get bigger and better, and yeah. and we ended up with some really great bands in those days, yeah. and um, That's right. you know, 
and you and I were band guys, and Dad would drive around in his station wagon looking for us, and <laughs> he could yeah. never find us. You yeah, know? we were hiding. <laughs> That's because we were hiding. <laughs> so uh, we, we ended up moving out of Southern California, and we came up to Northern California, probably right. because we drove our parents crazy right. for a minute there. They didn't know what the hell to do with us. So they sent us to my stepdad, who was kind of really our dad, sent us up to our real dad. Yeah, genetic dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of a punter. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and he came up, and it was the first thing we wanted to do was get the frig out of the house and away. Right. And that was by work, the, the most obvious easy out on that was working with the local bands in That's the area. Because a lot of them have, really didn't understand what they were doing. And no. they struggled but, with the sound side of things. Well, not just that, culturally, too, because Southern California had a real thing going on not just with punk rock but with rock and roll and it's in it's different in you know variations of music in northern california was kind of into this new wave thing and surfer thing and they were still pogoing up here yeah they, it was a they, whole different they were, they were little, thing like it had to creep up here yeah that we were they part were, of the creep yeah, yeah it was um wasn't uh, they weren't as hip as it were so consequently there weren't guys in our community in monterey that were even into electronics. There was only one guy, and uh, in sound systems, and mm-hmm. and uh, um, so it was pretty easy to get a band gig, you yeah. know. And uh, matter of fact, I ended up getting mo- we ended up getting most of them, yeah. you know, which is problematic to people in Santa Cruz, but uh, <laughs> we got the gigs, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, no, we were we were lucky. Early on, we did some stuff with the punk rock bands the local punk rock bands that were tooling around and at the time you know cia with your good friend our good friend ray Berlino. right that was one of my first but then we uh we kind of moved through that and we started to get our first real ability to touch real gear with our good friend tony nacito at iamp yeah and independent I, audio monterey peninsula the independent audio of the monterey peninsula he was our audio daddy it was the first time we got to play with some harbingers and some real sound you know, crafts yeah, and, yeah 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 and, real real equipment jbl monitors and real amplifiers and real mics well you know tony as you know was um wasn't just uh, our audio daddy he was um you know, he had a heavy influence on our lives. Um, Dad was busy, you know, working a fireman's schedule, 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, 24 off, three or four days off, then back at it again. And right. Well, they, you know, we were kind of left to our devices, and um, which was probably not a good idea. And um, Not with our history. No. And Tony uh, was a very linear guy, and his mantra, you know, well, it was kind of dad's mantra, actually, was you sign your name to everything you do. You better make it legible. And Tony actually lived that. Oh, yeah. And um, so Tony taught us an ethic, a work ethic, uh, 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 a way of laying out cable, a way of marking everything, a way of drawing out stage plots, a way of communicating to the artist, a way or communicating to our customers. Because when if we weren't doing actual shows or festivals with him. We were doing installs with him. Yeah. And um, he actually turned out to be more like a dad, I think. In many ways, yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not sure he he would feel the same way about that, but, you know, he wasn't on the receiving end, you know? Sure, that's right. Um, no, uh, and to this day, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Um, great man, you know? Yeah. Great man. Uh, and uh, still doing it. Yeah, I know. He's uh, this the stamina on that guy. I mean, you know, he was always one that I always felt like he we didn't want to let him down. You know, he he always gave us a lot of latitude, a lot of trust. And before too long, you know, you'd throw you the keys and you take the the, the twenty six and I know we just go do the shows flat out. I'd collect the money. Yep, I'd, I'd the deal with nine. the client, and um, that showed I mean, a lot of trust. In yeah, b- some before young I was twenty-one ups. years old. Yeah, no, it was yeah. Impre- we were often in places legally we were not allowed to be in. No, I remember one place in uh, in particular that we were there every Thursday night, and on my twenty-first birthday, yeah, 
I asked the owner if he'd buy me a drink, and he said, why? It's my birthday. And he said, which birthday? I said, my 21st. And he says, you've been working here for three years, and it's your fucking 21st birthday. <laughs> That's Brooke Lewis you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And, the Club of Monterey. Yeah. yeah. It was a great room. Yeah, we used to have a lot of fun there. Yeah. He, 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 he kind of giggled and said, you son of a bitch. Yeah, you but know? you know, we, we always behaved when we were, well, as much as people could see. You know, we, oh, we kept right. it close, you know. We, right. we didn't shit on his room because we, we appreciated what well, we were doing. Well, the truck, you know, a lot of things can happen in the truck, That's you right. know, before the band goes That's on. 26 <laughs> feet of fun right there once you get the gear out. I'll tell you what. I'm just going to say that right there. 26 feet of the fun. The man cave yeah, well, immediately set up. It's definitely a cave of some sort. Yeah. Um, I want to skip over uh, a little bit. There were stops in between before we got uh, kind of a big break, but I think it really started with you when you... Uh, got employed at Sound on Stage, uh, kind of a, an institution around the the Bay Area that... Um... Well, actually, no, it didn't happen that way. I ended up getting to Sound on Stage the long way. I actually, through a, a band called the Medflies, were playing an earthquake benefit. And um, this band that was head, I was working the, the as the band engineer plus the systems tech for Tony, and a band there um, who I had established a relationship with the um, their um, engineer who turned out to be their studio engineer, and it was one of their first. Well, they send out their big gun. And their big gun was Benny Collins. That's correct. And Benny Collins is. Uh, it's hard to explain Benny Collins in the formative nature to us becoming truly professional roadies without speaking to Benny Collins. And that's why I really went this road, is I'd like you to speak to Benny Collins. Well, at the time, Benny was working, his primary job was with uh, Nightmare Productions, which was the management company for Journey, and he was the drum tech for Ainsley Dunbar. And he had just really broken into being doing production management. Yeah. And and Benny had this way of talking to people. And he, if he talked to you in a certain way, which some people would interpret as being curt, it actually meant he saw something in you, and you and 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 you better listen. Well, he had a, he had a way that could be, uh, if you had a thin skin, it wasn't going to work out good for you. Uh, he, no. he would sort you out real quick. He was a big man. He was African-American. And he had a Southern voice. He sounded like Wolfman J. Yeah, and he smoked one cigarette after another, just like you and me. But, man, he just wanted the best for you. Yes. And you to to man up quick because you know that's Journey on stage. That's David Bowie on stage. That's correct. And and rapidly he moved up the ladder into the production management thing. Right. And kind of blew the fuck up. Like, well, he about did, that. and he took, and he took he, you with. Yeah, he did. So that band that I was that at, at that festival had basically offered me uh, a gig going out. And and they said I didn't have passport or anything. They said they were going to send me some money to go get a, a, a passport application and get it all sorted. And da 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 da, da and an airplane ticket. And I really didn't buy into it. I mean, I'd been told so many fucking lies by so many bands at that point. Um, Rock and roll was different back then, by the way. I pulled, to- dude. I'd pulled fucking. You know, bar owners through bathroom windows with yeah, my yeah, goddamn yeah. money. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, I know, I was with you. Um, but it showed up. That fucking envelope showed up, and I went and got a, a, a quick passport. Yeah. And um, next thing I know, I'm on fucking David Bowie Glass Spider, huge tour. Massive. And well, then the band that I had hired me—they um, were a one-hit wonder, a great, great hit. But it was a one-hit wonder. Ended yeah. up being pulled by management. And uh, replaced with Susie and the Banshees. And um, Benny said, no, you're staying. And you're mixing Susie and the Banshees. And mind you, this is a 17-month tour. And um, I'd never done anything like that. And um, then next thing you know, um, there's problems with Bowie's front of house guy. Um, it was basically equipment related and the way he responded to this equipment 
functioning or not functioning. <laughs> it's a thing that happens. And um, People have to be replaced sometimes. And I used to have an imaginary line in front of house that I couldn't pass. But I, every night during the show, I watched everything he did. Yeah. And um, next thing you know, I'm... I'm mixing Bowie. And I'm at Shea Stadium, and I'm at, you know, places that I never, ever... That yeah, was a huge tour. It changed my life. Benny changed my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, By then, it, he was production manager. Yeah, it was, it was Benny's thing. And, yep. And the things that I've been involved with Benny all the way up until his passing... I didn't do his real big stuff like Michael Jackson or, or Madonna. Uh, Madonna or Rolling Stones, but a lot of the things in between, let's call them the medium to high level. Yeah. Um, I was blessed enough to work with Benny on, and, and he was my dear friend. I mean, I remember um, uh, two months before his passing, uh, I was doing the Foo Fighters at Candlestick Park, and mm -hmm. and uh, not Candlestick, pardon me, uh, AT and T Park, and Benny showed up, and we had lunch, and yeah, he wasn't he wasn't you know, doing well by then. He wasn't doing well then. Yeah, sadly. And um, and you know, he died there shortly afterwards, and um, we had uh, at the Fox in Oakland. Uh, we call them the last loadouts. That was an amazing last loadout. We've done a lot of those, and that one was particularly well attended. It was anybody who was anybody. It was hard. Didn't matter if you were a manager, if you no, were a no. production manager, if you were a lighting guy, a video guy, a company owner. Um, yeah. you were there. The big manufacturers dogs. were even there. Yeah. Um, no, it was uh, it was probably one of the best attended last loadouts I've ever been to, and. And uh, like I said, heartbreaking. It was a lot of people were broken up with uh, the loss of Benny. Collins. That was a that was one of the tougher days in my life. That was uh, that, uh, the only thing I could probably assimilate it to is when John Rigney died. How that affected me. Um, John Rigney's recent passing that sucked. That one fucked me up real bad. Yeah, it's still got this lingering quality that's not very yeah. pleasant. And yeah, it fucked me up pretty bad. Yeah, I understand. I'm with you. Um, let's let's move to a happier space then. Yeah, um, yeah and um, and we'll always you know have those guys in our hearts and and you know speak to speak about them in our moments in our cigarette sessions or or something like this to keep their memory alive because they yeah. were they're, they were great at what they did yeah. and they were good friends to us and mentors. Um, working with Motley Crue. Remember now, <laughs> so again, okay, we will remind the audience that we have to be very careful um, in what we can relay about that, uh, except for that it was an extraordinarily fun time, a lot of hard work. Um, talk to us about your memories with the crew, Daddy. Um, what happens on the bus stays on the bus. You got to just, that's a big rule when it comes to the crew. Um, let's just say that. Their first album was really what attracted me to Motley Crue. Easily their best album. And also their self-titled album with John Karabi. I know, uh, you love that album. Uh, Motley Crue. Um, are really what attracts me to Motley Crue. But their other albums, in my opinion, don't do them justice. They're, they're polished, producer, um, radio-friendly um, Motley Crue is a live band. It's Motley Crue brings it like nobody brings it. It's a circus. Yeah. It's uh, knock you in your chest, um, meat and potatoes, Mick Mars, just, and Tommy just taking you to your knees. Yeah, that's um, right. and It's a singular to, experience. Um, I've worked with a lot of bands, either as, as a company guy or a band guy, and there's not too many bands that are going to bring it like that brand brings it. They, I don't think they ever, uh, I would say with the, the exception of the occasional vocal hang-up, which is very normal after 30 shows, Yeah. but other than that, that brand is solid, rock solid. I mean, they just kill every time, and there's always a good time. Tom's uh, super fun to hang out with. 
you know. He's a child. He's a child. Nick is... In the, in the most respectful way. Oh, no, yeah. If anybody, in the most respectful way, yeah, because yeah. if you're on Tommy's good side and you, you're you wanting to go to Tommy's carnival, um, he's going to take you for a ride, and it's going to be a ride. It's going to be fun. It's a buckle-up situation, yep. and you better be prepared. And then they got the whole polar opposite in, uh, in Mick, uh, you know. Uh, he's the dad. Yeah, that's Papa. The un- and, intolerant dad. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I love it when he gets mad at, uh, at um, his bass player by referring to him as bass player. <laughs> bass player. <laughs> do this. Do I know, I should, I'm saying too much. <laughs> But um, yes, there's a chemistry between them that I think isn't as well known as what we've seen, and they're 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 a unit, you know. They're they're, they're a super tight band. They they yeah. um, they you know they work through their challenges, sure. and um, but again, uh, challenges aside, um, when they're like I said, visualizing seeing Motley Crue being involved in Motley Crue. Is being involved with the band that brings it. Yeah, yeah. It's Trez Island. Yeah, that always presents uh, the many times that we've been out there um, some very special, many uh, hats, uh, logistical challenges that uh, I don't think people could understand. Talk about it. Well, as far as I know, um, I've done the only. I've been involved in the only two. King of the Rocks out there. It's a Red Bull basketball event. Um, and I think Kyle talked about, maybe were you a hand or, or something on one of them? Yeah, it was a hand several years ago. Yeah. Um, I, provided I know the, the nightmares. Sound, of... I provided the sound lighting and video on those. And uh, the there's a real challenge to um, working on the island. Um, actually, I did one for T-Mobile with um, Creed. And it was Greg's, Greg was mixing Creed, Greg Price. Yeah. And I have a picture of, from that show, of Mary Condi and I standing at front of house next to Greg. Frozen. Like we lived in fucking Antarctica. Yeah, no, that place is brutal weather-wise. People, we cannot explain to you this enough. It is fun and cool to work at The Rock. You know, you're working at The Rock, you're doing a show at The Rock. Until my, the marine layer rolls in. Yeah. It's the most oh, my God. People say Red Rocks is tough to load in. It is tough to load in, but it is not the rock. Oh, no. Do you remember the staircase? Oh, the my God. We, go we, oh, that thing. The no, we're cases. talking 37 stairs at a 45-degree angle. <laughs> and you have to load in on the rock as soon as the last boat leaves at when they're closing. Yeah. We take and drive a 26-foot truck onto a metal plate then lift it up with a crane, put it on a barge, drive the barge to where the ferry landing is. That barge then takes screw jacks and screw jacks into the base, yeah. into the, of the, you know, of anchors in. Then another crane lifts it off. We empty the truck there and then use pickup trucks and stake sides to take it up then to wherever we're doing the show, right? And you've got to hand carry everything. We're talking stage, we're taking lights, everything's got to be, and if you crack a sidewalk, if you do anything to this dilapidating island, they lose their mind. Oh, they're they're sensitive about it. And before you can even go out there, you have to work with fish and wildlife on proving that you won't fuck with the migration and breeding patterns of the indigenous birds. The birds have a right to. Okay, I just want to say that I'm going to stick up for birds here right now. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the, the, the unpopular position that birds have rights to. Two. Okay, what we're saying they is... They have a movement. It's a great place to film a show and, and see it like if you're the viewer. If you're teching that show, bring a couple jackets and... Oh man, your Wheaties eat a whole box of them because it kicks your ass. It is a rough show site. Yeah, the way we broadcast it is we put a guy up on Vista Point. Yep. At, at uh, um, up at the the Marin side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. And then we put a transmitter at the water tower, and then in the old 
infirmary poke the antenna through the window and another transmitter, and we beam it across the bay to a satellite truck <laughs> sitting wow. at Vista Point. Nothing, nothing simple about this venue. Like, There's not even water on the island. No, it's, it's, it is like, yeah, they really hated people to put them out there <laughs> in any capacity. It's, it's I don't know how fucking Morris or whatever his name was. Who Earl fucking, Morris, yeah, who, who escaped. He did escape, by the way. I'm sure he did, he but I tell you what, fucking escaped. that guy must have fucking painted it. lacquer all over his body or something because that how cold it is out there, even yeah. in summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Mark Twain. The coldest winter cold I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. Yeah, no, it's not. That's not a lie. But sometimes at a certain level of badassery, the, the 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 two brothers that he went out with had been put in on the rock because they had escaped five prior jails. Correct. So these were people that were determined, and and the last thing we're gonna do is a little a little bit of cold slow them down. No, they got the fuck off. They ran away and the they stayed away. Yeah, well, that's what that's the what the logic says. But we actually the idea was. They sold the rock as saying it's un, you can't get away because the sharks will get you or you'll die on the swim. They, 2,000 people every year swim Polar from the, Club. <laughs> they swim from the island to the mainland yeah. in a competition. So with it's, just, it's with speedos in a cap. Yeah, it's eminently doable. Right. And if you really hate your situation, I bet you could do it a little faster. So yeah, yeah it's absolutely right. doable. Let's jump over, like I said, I'm going nonlinear on you, uh, to uh, moving from. Um, Sound on stage over to running uh, delicate productions. They came up and uh, made a stand up here from LA to to the Bay Area, and they threw you in the head honcho seat. Yeah. And you guys got a lot of good things done. Did some big shows. We had fun over there. Yeah. We do a bunch of stuff, and that yep. tailed off into um, uh, a couple guys that you had done business with prior to creating. Uh, and this I'm simplifying you can you can expand on it but to creating what we now know is the Bottle Rock Festival that is a fact talk about it well um, these two gentlemen had um, been involved in the restoration of the Uptown Theater yeah which they had ran for years as a fourplex and with the actual owner of the building they wanted to restore the place in which all of a sudden then they all of a sudden they had this grand idea of of putting on a, a festival in the streets of napa and uh they called me in because i was involved in this the sound light and uh um video installation um through lewis adamo of uh, high-tech audio he sold them the consoles right and um so I knew it was a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. So a guy I've worked with for a lot of years um, by the name of um, Steve McFadden. Sure. Uh, I brought him to the meeting with me. And we sat in this courtyard, this cafe courtyard at the Uptown. After, and we walked their proposed stage locations on the streets of Napa. And we told him that well, Steve told him that he didn't believe that it was um, possible. Um, Logistic reasons, many reasons. Yeah, and, and I, I, I agreed with him, but yeah, I, didn't, right. I didn't say that to him. And what I said to them after Steve left the meeting was, is why would you go through all of these logistics with street closures and there's no place to park and so on and so forth. And, oh my God. When literally three-tenths of a mile from downtown, you have the 45-acre um, Napa Valley Expo Center. That's right. So um, they knew uh, Carol over there in the office and Joe, the, the uh, CEO, and they called over there and said, hey, can we come take a look at the place? And, you know, we walked the whole place and I said, well, we can put a, a main stage here. We can put a second stage here. There's an existing stage here for the third stage. We can put a fourth stage here. We can go in this building and do this stage here. And next thing you know, we are in the planning stages of it. And um, so I jumped on the horn with uh, Jason Alt, who at the time was the general manager of the Camarillo um, Delicate Productions. Mm -hmm. 
And between the, the two of us, we orchestrated um, all of the sound, lights, and video while I uh, advanced all of the audio for all the 72 acts. Five stages, 72 acts, three days, very yeah. big show. And then I worked intricately with an operations team that I brought in from all of the Bill Graham folks that's right that that i had grown up with in the san francisco industry and we built a team out of all of these guys chung quo and a bunch of people and um we knocked out a festival and um ultimately that festival from a artist perspective left 5.9 million dollars in debt including to the company delicate that I was, you know, managing. And I um, got uh, called in by the, um, the federal justice department to be uh, the creditors chair on a, um, on recouping the funds. Yeah. And during that process, uh, a group of venture capitalists who created a company called Latitude 38, who are currently part owners of the festival to this day and in conjunction with Live Nation. Live Nation wasn't involved at that point. Mm -hmm. um, went through the whole court process That's with right. us, was over 400 hours. A lot of hours. And um, actually contributed to the people to people, the 152 vendors who didn't get paid um, because there was only so much money got recouped in mm -hmm. the in the bankruptcy. Right. So they stepped up to the plate and um, not only bought the brand, um, but um, brought back those that were willing to play ball and go for gamble number two, gamble number three, gamble number four. And now it's a pretty... Uh it's a going concern that's well attended. As far as I know, it, it might be considered one of the you know the top festivals in the country. Yeah, um, it's it's that's a my understanding festival. at least. Massive festival, national acts, international acts. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, since the uh, change of uh, management, as it were, uh, it's been considerably uh, less fraught with peril. And uh, <clears throat> you know, a good a good event to go attend. Yeah, well, it was uh, you know it's you know. I always found it interesting that you uh, branched out into that direction because, you know, it wasn't necessarily what we do, which no. is building from the ground up, you know, which way people come in, which people, where's the bathrooms, where, No, you know. it wasn't in my wheelhouse, but, but I think when, uh, that first year, when the challenges started happening on the Friday night, the first night, and then on Saturday, they were blatantly obvious. One of the gentlemen who was the financial part of it was locked in a hotel room. Yeah. And he called me there, and he basically asked me for money. And I told him that wasn't going to happen because he already, at that point, was into me for, clo uh, for close to a million dollars. I said, what I will do is I'll go try and find where your money is. Yeah. And I was able to scratch together a, a bunch of money from the salespeople, the sponsors, food and beverage, so on and so forth, right. to make the, the next couple of days happen. But then all kinds of other things became a challenge. It wasn't money at that point. It was the actual logistics because they had checked out. Yeah. And um, so I guess guilt by association and the strength of the team all been working together for so many years we learned all of these ways to improve it yeah which then were accepted and then uh implemented with latitude 38 and it continued to grow as right. they experienced the same growing pains and they took it to another level every year and made it uh, that much more attractive for people to want to come back well that moves us forward to uh uh, you started a project with the city of Napa with, that's called Oxbow. It's a new thing. We were just getting our heels in on that. Yeah. Um, it Talk was about actually that. brought a Ken Tester of, uh, um, of the Blue Note um, out of New York. 
who has the Blue Note Napa. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, he's the one who did all the rallying and getting uh, the city of Napa on board, as well as the people at the Oxbow itself on board and, the, and its neighbors, uh, the wine train and a couple of retail establishments to the left and right of the Oxbow Commons, right. which is the amphitheater that we've created. Um, yeah, the stage is sitting right out back. The stage is sitting out back. We um, we had a slow season the first year getting uh, working out the kinks. Sure. Um, but overall... Some good shows. It was some great shows. Yeah. And um, the city was happy, I think. And all the shows we did, we had... I may be under-quoting, but I think it was four noise complaints. Oh, that's, oh, we were mitigating out there. We were doing sound mitigation out there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the if and the, I think this is the correct number, um, but the the city has uh, permitted for a contract of sixty six more shows for twenty one, twenty two, and twenty three. We'd be out there right now, right? We'd be out there right now. Yeah. Um, the uh, show was at, it was slated to start off. And uh, on, I, th I think it was July, I mean, June 22nd with, uh, um, I think it was Bob Dylan. Was yeah, this year's run was going to start with Bob. Yeah. And uh, it had a pretty healthy line. I think the B-52s and some others. And well, and I remember Labor Day was, was going to be three days of widespread panic. And, yeah, that would have been great. Um, yeah, it, the, the lineup was looking really good. Another Planet had done an amazing job. Of of really making sure that it understood the demographic to be the Napa locals, because really that's what that venue is geared towards. Where Bottle Rock is a, is a Napa experience. That's right. So meaning, it's a great tax revenue for um, the city of Napa because all the tourists come. Forty five thousand tourists a day come, right? Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. So that's a Napa experience. You bet. Where the Oxbow is for the locals. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It still draws huge crowds. It does really well. Yeah, yeah. It does really well, yeah. Most memorable moment on tour, buddy. Dig deep. I didn't say this was going to be easy. I didn't say that. I said, come on the show. I'm going to hit you with some questions. Yeah, that's x-rayed. Um, yeah, so you got to dig through the file. It's going to um, take a minute. Trust me on that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Blindsided. Um, it's the fun of the show. Come on, PG-13 version. All right. Well, maybe the, the catacombs of Paris, you know? Um, yeah, that's a heavy... God uh, damn, they put five million people underground. <laughs> what the hell? Um, that, first of all, I thought this, Paris, dude, when crazy. I went to Paris the first time, I thought I was going to the city of just, you know... Lights and pastries. And it turned out to be the city of urine and... Um, Gentle. And, Gentle. Um, but it was fascinating to... Um, you have a couple of days off there and go see the history. Uh, it was a little different than Sarajevo because first time I went to Sarajevo, I realized that I was in a city that was older than our uh, older than our oldest buildings. Oh, yeah, like way, like three times. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of a trip. A new house in Europe is like a hundred years old. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, you know that's, what I'm that's saying. The new house. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. was a trip. It was yeah, a trip. Yeah. Now traveling has always been a fun part yeah. of this job, and I know you, you know, particularly fond of that. Um, let's talk about the company. You know, um, we're here at Sound Image Productions. You're the boss. Uh, what would you say our mission statement? What makes us different? And I believe we are different. Well, I, I think what. You know, I think the, the Bay Area has, you know, got used to um, regional service. And I think the difference with Sound Image is it's, it's, it's really national service. And the difference here with our staff is, is they've been taught to, uh, to a higher a level of, of what's expectation. And so, therefore, there's a level of pride in how the gear is checked back in and, and, and tested and, and um, maintained, maintained and always aesthetically put back on the shelf yeah. or into paint, into wheel repair, into software update, into cleaning, whatever's necessary, then on the shelf. Then when it's ready to go back out, it's, it's prepped and actually 
operated. It can't leave if I can't hear it first. And, and then um, the way that we've become this, uh, this semi-quasi family that everybody takes pride in making sure that the way the customer is being treated is, is complete service oriented. We're a service company, man. And I think, I think um, at some other companies, um, they, some of the staff still think, well, no, I'm the sound man. The right sound. Um, so we, we do encourage a healthy amount of um, competency. I think with the continued training and uh, we give them the right gear and we have the help of our, our, our brothers in our other shops. So we have a reach that a lot of companies can't touch, you know, so we can deal with writer specific issues. And yeah, we're really fortunate to have the support we get from Southern California Sound Image and Sound Image in Tennessee and our other, your phone's blowing up, buddy. I Don't. thought I silenced it. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, Consider yourself in an airport. Um, <laughs> the, um, so we're really the lucky. The benefit of being um, part of the legacy that Sound Image and what I mean by that is Sound Image has so many relationships with so many manufacturers because the house is not a specific to one brand. Nope. So therefore, I've been able to interact with a lot of those manufacturers That's and it. have them, and seeing as the company has so many divisions and has so many employees, that we're able to say with that manufacturer, look, this seems to be a, a, a place that you could be helpful with us and bring in one of your guys and work with our guys. Yes. A specifically. How many times? Well, we, we, I'd like to think, um, you know, it's ongoing. It's yeah. constantly happening. That's right. And during, especially here during Corona time, um, we've got companies stepping, really stepping up. That's right. And we've got ongoing training. And we, since we have the gear, we're able to have guys in safe conditions, guys and girls, pardon me. Sure. Um, come to not only work off a tablet, uh, uh, their, their computer tablet, but actually work with the gear itself mm -hmm. in, in, um, at one of the four shops. Well, we know that training is much more... Um satisfying and complete when they can actually take the webinar and turn it into touching physical gear. Yeah, yeah. It but sticks it, better. All of our webinars are done live, and which is different than what the Joe Q public sound guy or lighting guy or video guy can do. They're watching something on a, on a, on a, on a streamed reel. Yeah. Where they're, in our situation, they're dealing with a live human being and it's usually somebody within the um, within the industry that is extremely qualified at what they're doing. Yes, I couldn't agree. That's well summed up. Yeah, yeah it's really helpful to <clears throat> be taking the classes that are offered through Sound Image and you guys, and ha be able to talk to somebody in person. Because it's like, yeah, you can read the manual all day, but you always hit those roadblocks where it's like, fuck, well, that's this good. guy knows it. Yeah, it's good when you guys can cross-talk and get back and forth and somebody stumbles somewhere and everybody learns in that moment because we'll do this with 20 or 30 guys at a time with you know Robert Scoville or somebody teaching a class, and that's priceless. That, oh, 100%. You know, it's problem-solving by group. It's uh, uh, getting some of the best information from one of the best guys in the industry, and we have relationship with, uh, relationships like that across the board, across disciplines, and so, we're, you know, it's really a fortunate place to be. Well, what comes, what becomes very evident in those in those live Zoom classes is not everybody learns the same. That's right. And not everybody learns at the same pace. So if you've got this little network, while you're in between classes, y'all can talk to each other. You can fill in the gaps, or you can say through uh, the chat within um, Zoom, hey, maybe we need to back it up a little bit next week and need to come back to a subject and make sure everybody's caught it. Somebody's got it. Everybody's got it. And, and it seems that that dynamic is continuing to grow within the company. And the guys and girls are between classes talking to each other and answering each other, solving some of each other's problems or challenges. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great way to learn. And uh, I feel like we're doing our part. So I know a lot of the kids are real happy. 
and uh, we'll keep doing it. We got somebody on the other side of the wall right now, uh, playing with the Dante and uh, doing some RF work. Yeah, so, she's been there all, all. She's been there all since early this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. To work with Shauna Hall again in the house. Yeah, she's uh, wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about um, the new vision. We're kind of doing a new thing, uh, forced. Maybe we should have been on top of it already, but but we're, we've done a lot of proof of concept, a lot of testing with this new Sound Image Presents. Mm -hmm. It's a new lane where we're sitting in part of it right now. Um, it's a facility you had built, uh, you know, you brought together the different disciplines, lighting and, and audio and uh, broadcast to uh, uh, create this new thing. Talk about it. It's, it's called Sound Image Presents. And I think we've got something coming out, out of it here in a minute, too. Yeah, we do very shortly. Um, well, you know, um, as we all know, we don't have a crystal ball. And, and things are constantly changing within the way the government is, wants to handle things. Yeah. So um, with things like, you know, um, restart and so on and so forth, it's kind of taken us out of, the, out of hiding because we did that to ourselves. Um, I believe the dynamic of the way people are going to um, attend or view live entertainment or webinars, product releases, so on and so forth, is going to change. I think that streaming ultimately would have been part of our future, but I didn't think it was going to be now. Yeah. I think that it would have, it's kind of like when LED walls replaced screens. Projectors. Yeah. And it wasn't just eye candy, it was, you know, eye candy upstage and then a left and then all of a sudden left and rights with iMag. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now streaming, I think because of the just human nature, if people have the option when concerts come back or when people go back to work or whatever or and have a chance to go on to a, a, a convention to watch some medical seminar or something, are gonna take the choice take a different choice and rather sit home in their 70 inch TV with their 5.0 and have dinner and watch because they're going to feel safer or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of forced us to kind of look at not only the skill sets that the individual techs have, but the way they actually use the tools they've been using the consoles, the the cameras, the lighting, um, the microphones, and so and the computers and the switchers uh, differently than they had when this all started. And I believe that the only way we can do that and also find a revenue stream is to take the training that we're doing and have it apply towards that, head in that direction, and then have the hands-on things that are happening here be that way as well. Sure. And also see if it can turn into a revenue stream. So we've built this space. We've brought in all this gear. Correct. We've uh, created a safe space. We've done our research on COVID rules and regs. Correct have our different health stations around. So you're basically creating a safe space for um, a person to do a TV show or uh, a band to come in and play, which we've had, um, or uh, some training to happen. All the above. Yeah, talking head thing, whatever that you can imagine that you'd like to put as form of content onto the interwebs, we've got a place for you for that. Any form of communication to a broad audience mm -hmm. can be done here. Yes, sir. In a, like you said, a safe environment, uh, 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 a disinfected, mm -hmm. COVID testing, yep. uh, COVID um, run down the list. Catering, it's crazy. Um, uh, sanitizing equipment as it comes in and out of the building. Um, you name it. We've thought about how to not have somebody feel like there hasn't been a base covered yeah 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 we've got the green rooms we've got the yeah we've we have complete isolation that's we got a you know rather large space here and we can make it be what it needs to be and uh after many many weeks of effort and uh uh toil and research and so on 
And plus the show, you know, is uh, an early shot out of the cannon to try to uh, prove concept that we could successfully broadcast uh, audio lighting. Um, and that's evolved a great deal. In, well, with time. frankly, uh, to give credit, instead of doing this with those points, why don't you think about white balancing? Why don't you think about doing a platform that's based on white to um, appeal to, to mirror to the lens, not to the naked eye, and then light for effect. It's, it's, quite this, a, it's been quite a transition. It's been all clicking in to, my mind, based even though I don't know these disciplines, yeah. but I've been guilt by association in all these environments that I know that a rock and roll lighting rig <clears throat> although it has some of the same fixtures, would not work in a broadcast environment. And therefore, also a rock and roll lighting designer is not going to work well with a, a, a broadcast uh, 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 um, video engineer. Right. There's going to be inherent tension unless the both each other learn each other, yeah. learn how to talk to each other, and That's then it. work together. Yeah. And it's no different than with a rock and roll audio guy trying to go from, you know, let's crush the first 50 rows with subwoofer with the kick drum to actually mix into a pair of Genelex and a sub That's right. and knowing where to apply, you know, the output compression correctly, knowing when, you know, where how to convert the signal to go up, you know, into and, and Kodak and blah, blah, blah. All those various things are something that guys that work for our company and companies like ours don't do every day. That's right. It's been a learning curve. Well, we're all at school, me, me included. Yeah, that's right. Me included, understanding how to work on with the streaming partners, understanding how to work with the county, understanding how to work with the lawyers, understanding how to work with potential clients, understanding that we're in Vendors. a whole different realm of proposals even. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's maddening. I work seven, <laughs> eight, nine, ten proposals in a day, and the responses are so varied uh, I, I have to think a whole different way of how I'm mean, even could communicate and negotiate. Yeah, no, I don't envy your, um, your challenge on that one. That's why I stay on the concrete side. I'm going to keep letting you have the letting you. You're going to keep taking the, the carpeted side of the business. I'll just stay over here on the concrete and clean the gear and make sure it's all good. So when you do that, when you get those people and figure it out, how it nailed down, we'll be ready, buddy. But you always knew that. That's why you got me in the position well, I'm in. I would hope it would stay that way. Cause, yeah, uh, yeah. We're I gonna hurt, be ready. I hurt too long after I get pissed off and load a truck for somebody. Yeah, I know. You're too... I haven't had to let you do that for three years. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I threw you the fuck out the building. On the <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, all right, for, no, go. <laughs> you, like, fucking stormed out of the building. Yeah, it was awesome. You made, like, eight, you know, 20-somethings look like morons just... Oh, my God, it was shameful. You kick them all out of the truck. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, dude. When he goes sideways like that, it's fucking, it's a sight. No, I, I let it go on for a minute because of the spectacle of it all. It was so that he could see, so that he could be shamed while the old man was, like, killing him. They'd been you out know? there for, like, two hours trying to load a truck, and I did it by myself in 45. Yeah, just shit in the bed, you know. 30 like, buys just don't make sense to some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Well, not, we, we, we're going to wrap here, but, you know, I want to talk to you about the um, the nature of your... Not everybody shares your view on this, but we're big on this. <clears throat> the B2B nature of how we interact with other businesses, other yes. <clears throat> businesses in our industry. Yes. You've always had a very healthy, in my opinion, view on uh, cooperative B2B interactions with other vendors. I think it's imperative. Yeah, yeah. I talked about that because not everybody agrees with you. And you know this now. You know there's some heads out there we can't reach out to because they, they don't want to share their secret sauce or something. But, uh, you know, we're, we're big on this. We really so, will bail anybody out. I'll tell you a quick story. So when I first, when Dave, Ralph, and I sat down and decided we were going to do what we were going to do, yeah, I got a call from... A guy from the East Coast, let's just say. Yeah, East Coast guy. We'll call him East Coast guy. And he said to me, what the fuck did you do? And I said, well, what do you mean? Very East Coast. And he said, you're no longer neutral. And I said, that's not true at all. And he says, how's that? I said, have I ever once, when you sent me a, a, a gig or did this or did that, have I ever once poached your gig? He says, no. I said, this is an opportunity that nobody's ever had, and that's called to bridge the gap. 
He goes, what are you talking about? This gap will never be bridged. I said, it will be on so many levels, though. Because I'll be the guy who'll have the client doing the racks and stacks in the opener, and you'll be the headliner, and you'll have 600 boxes down at, you know, stagecoach. Yeah. And you need a guy like me. And I need a guy like you when I've got a guy like yours who's doing a fly date for some big, huge corporate, and there's no way I'm getting that fucking rack full of Rupert Hine, you know, processors. That's right. And you're going to ship them out to me, and then you're going to send your guy to me, and and he's going to prep it here, and it's going to go on my truck to the load-in, and you're, then your front-of-house guy shows up to what he's used to every single time, and we're win-win. That's right. Everybody can win. And that's the philosophy I believe. If it's sitting on our shelf, that's right. then I just want to make a couple of nickels, and the guy who's actually got the, the client... Yeah. And he doesn't have to order it from San Diego or Las Vegas or Los Angeles. He doesn't have to pay for a week's rental. He can drive over here, get a quality piece of equipment, rent it for a day rate yeah. at a business-to-business rate. That's right. He gets the business, and I make money too. Yeah, it's a win-win. It's always been a, a stand-up way of dealing with it, and I think we're well known for, uh, you know, being out there. Being, we we're big on the whole. Everybody needs to get met, and uh, you know, we also understand it's a big, big world. And sometimes we'll we'll run. The Bay Area just appears to be a small town, but it's not. There is a ton of financial possibilities here. Let's just say. So, with that being said. In order to keep the playing field level, everybody should just share what they have and maintain their relationships. Yeah. That way you're not coming over and, you know, pissing on my Cheerios and I'm not going over and pissing in your Cheerios. I'll maintain my relationships. You maintain your relationships and we all give our, our customers equal, equal uh, great, great service and great pricing. And what they want, what they need. Period. Yeah, simple as that. No, it's a great, it's something to live by. And, uh, you know, we never rarely say no. Uh, I would say maybe with the exception of uh, Burning Man. Nothing's going to Burning Man. That no, I, I saw that, that happen once with yeah. a company I was involved yeah, in. No. And um, they, they Playa can, Dust is not anybody's friend. None. Well, and it they're changes the employee, awful. too, when they're out there, expo- when they're out there uh, experiencing the... Uh, uh, the spectacle, yeah. they yeah. they don't behave like they would if they were on a, a gig at the Warfield. Yeah. yeah, it can be uh, it can be a problem. I didn't want to get stuck there. I just had to, yeah. I just realized when I was saying that we we never say no. Well, we actually do say no to one thing, yeah. and we will always say no. Yeah. Been burned by the Burning Man too many times. Um, let's see. We're gonna uh, the, the kind of standard closing question. Uh, I could talk to you all night, as you know, you're my brother, and there's so many lanes we could go down, but. You know, you're an old man. You've been doing this for a minute. And we're in this weird, weird time. We've been in weird times. Earthquakes and, and uh, terrorist attacks and other shit. But this is some special top-down global shit. Um, what do you think the future holds? Well, I want to say that November 3rd will give us a better look into the, lo- into the looking glass. I want to say that. But that might be a pie-in-the-sky thinking. Um, but um, if you looked at it like a, like a, a newborn um, getting exposed to germs or whatever, I would maybe, I mean, like I said, maybe that's even pie-in-the-sky. I would like to hope somehow people are acclimating because they can't get a damn fucking va- vaccine fast enough that maybe this thing that's, floating out there in the air where some of us are getting acclimated to have already had it and or whatever and the and, and the flatten the curve term may actually come to reality because it doesn't seem to me like anybody of real authority is making decisions that will actually make eradicate it you know yeah i don't think that's going to be a word it, uh, you know it's like uh, things can disappear of their own accord after some natural evolution that happened with the spanish flu which of course was not from spain um we just like to label things nasty ways right. um can't say if the political outcomes would change much because i uh, i'm going to jump in and out of this real quick because actually- so i i would like to think that in, on march there's going to be them 60 60 90 
um, 100 tours again. Um, you know, uh, there's going to be, you know, 12, 15, 16 trucks out there. Um, the shop just going completely balls to the wall. Yeah, haywire. Um, I'd like to believe that, but again, you know, my crystal ball is about as, you know, as clear as, as that one over there full of bubbles. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, sadly. Um, can't see through those bubbles real well. Well, your order was to make sure when it happens that we're ready, and I can, uh, you know, report to you as the guy that's responsible for that. We're ready, boss. I know we are, and I believe I believe that the people um, that are, you know, holding on um, and the, not letting their, their their passion be affected, because that's one of my biggest concerns. Yeah, is you know, people that do people that do what we do. Um, need that purpose, that sense of purpose, oh, that man. sense of, uh, of of the reward. The money is a necessary evil for all of us. That's just the way the planet's developed. But people like us get a giant reward from even if it's a, even if it's a million dollar wedding. Yeah, you know, or, or it's you're you're moonlighting at a nightclub, or you know, you're doing thirty thousand people and feeling the kick drum knock you out at front of house. Um, it, that reward is the same reward no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. And when that reward is taken from you, it, it, it fucks with your spirit. And yeah. um, one of my goals here is to keep that spirit alive by, one, doing your show, two, doing these training classes, That's three, right. offering new opportunities here for a brain melt. Because, again, we're in school right now. That's right. And, um, and we've had little nibbles. We've got some stuff going out. We've got stuff out right this minute. Yes, we do. Uh, it's small things, but but things. And you keep putting the, you know, the, the, the A players on this stuff. And I think that, um, somebody told me today when they heard they were doing this thing that's upcoming here yep. in the following week yep. that we can't really talk a lot about, right. uh, said that they called their mother to say, I got a job. <laughs> and <laughs> and I I'm doing that, 10 days of work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do 10 days of work, you know. Right. And, and I thought that really uh, struck a chord with me. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that's where one of the places where you get a lot of satisfaction from is being able to provide those opportunities. Oh, and, I get 100% you know, satisfaction about that. Yeah, track them down, hunt them down. Yeah. Build them up, make it happen, stick it in a truck and go get it on. And, yeah. And so that's what we're about. I really appreciate you coming on the show, my brother. Uh, you know, I adore you. We've been doing this forever together. Uh, uh, you're a great fucking leader. You're a good friend. And uh, I love you. I love you too, man. Thanks for coming out, huh? Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having on, me. Man. Appreciate it. That was awesome. Come visit us at uh, Beyond the Backstage Pass on Facebook. We have our broadcasting and uh, advertising for when the shows come out. We'll let you know when this one comes. We appreciate your viewer uh, coming in and viewing our show. And we'll see you again on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Have a good night. Thank you. Thanks a lot.